Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today's episode is focused on sleep, and I'm thrilled to be joined again by Dr. Amy Bender, the Director of Clinical Sleep Science at Cerebra and a leader in the field of sleep science. And today, we'll be discussing how your relationship with light impacts your sleep the efficacy of blue light blockers, and various other tools to help you achieve restful sleep each night. One of those things is a three-step wake-up routine that can help you quickly get back to sleep at night. I found Dr. Bender's midnight wake-up routine to be very practical and something valuable to have in your back pocket in case you experience one of those pesky middle-of-the-night wake-ups. But before we dig into this episode with Dr. Bender, please take a moment to join my newsletter. Every Friday, I'll send you out actionable recommendations for your mind, body, and recovery to help you look, feel, and perform your best. These recommendations could include new findings in the scientific literature or things I've just learned along the way as a performance practitioner that I think could make a big impact in your life. You can sign up for the newsletter at www.ericcorum.com or by clicking the link in the show notes. All right, let's get to my conversation with Dr. Bender. So let's all lean in and learn from the best. Dr. Bender, we've talked about your preference evening, morning type. We've talked about, you know, wearable technology. But at the end of the day, the most important thing to me is like, how do we create the conditions so that I fall asleep, I have restful sleep, and I feel good the next day? It's one thing for me to say, sleep more. It's another thing to kind of create these lifestyle behaviors that enable this process to happen. So when you're working with a client or athletes, what are the things that you're suggesting to them that they can incorporate in their lifestyle to foster the environment for healthy and restful sleep? I think number one is getting light outside. So especially in the morning hours, and this has been coming out more and more, we're starting to finally hear about this, but light outside is just so much more powerful than our indoor lighting. So for example, my office lighting is only about a hundred lux. But if I were to get outside on a bluebird sky, bright, sunny day, it could be as much as 100,000 lux. So getting outside is so important. Getting that natural light, you know, 10 to 20 minutes of, of light, especially in the morning, because that's when our circadian rhythm helps get set because light is that important zeitgeber that helps set our circadian rhythms. And what we see in the literature is that the more light exposure, especially in the morning, the better sleep quality at night. So getting back to our office workers, those without a window are sleeping worse than those with a window and performing worse when we look at that literature. And someone, really? So there's there's literature on having a window and not having a yes, window. Yes, yes, there oh. is literature on that. And office workers who have a window actually sleep better and perform better during the day. And mm-hmm. someone was telling me, I need to, I need to fact check this, but they were saying in the Netherlands it's illegal not to have a window in, in an office. Is there's that- one place it would be illegal. <laughs> it's the Netherlands. And all my folks up there, keep listening. We're championing you. <laughs> Yes, I need to fact check that one. But 
But absolutely, I think that is a very important concept for people to understand, especially in the morning, we find that we're most sensitive to that light, which makes it important for sleep quality at night, but also reducing the impact of light at night as well. So the more light exposure we get throughout the day, the less impact electronic devices have on us at night. And so it was interesting working with Dave Proctor, who is attempting to run across Canada. And, you know, he's outside for hours and hours at a time. And one of the things we played around with was blue light blocking glasses at night to help improve his sleep quality. And he didn't really seem to, he didn't find much of a benefit from that. And then thinking about it is like, probably didn't really matter because he has all of this light exposure throughout the day outside. And so the impact of those electronic devices at night really weren't that meaningful. You just brought something up that's really interesting. Blue light blocking glasses. What do you see in the literature about that? I think there is some legit data to back that up. And personally, if let's say I haven't been outside much during the day and I am working a little bit on my laptop, my computer at night, I will implement the blue light blocking glasses. The thing that I think is kind of a misconception out there is that it really needs to be the 99% blue light blocking, the orange, the amber. We're not talking about the you know, 5% reduction in blue light that you might wear during the day. We're talking about the hardcore dark orange, dark, dark red type of glasses that is going to block out that blue light, which is bad for us in the evening because it reduces our melatonin. So do you have a brand that you recommend or that you use? I think it's Swanwick's. I believe those have some backing based on the literature. I haven't tried them myself, but I'm, I've seen those in the literature before. And Mm -hmm. that particular brand has been shown to improve melatonin or, or not have as much of a negative uh, reduction in melatonin when using those. Um, But honestly, you could buy probably a $10 pair on Amazon. And as long as it's that dark orange, Uh Uh, you're probably going to find a lot of benefit. Nice. So outside of circadian anchoring and getting frequent light exposure, which is huge, what other things are you recommending? I would say having a kind of a middle of the night wake up routine. So what that means, like we we have like go to bed routine, which is important. We can talk about that. If, for example, you were to wake up during the middle of the night, Let's have some techniques in our toolbox to help us get back to sleep in a timely manner. So two of those techniques that I utilize myself is called the cognitive shuffle. So you think of a word such as bedtime. You imagine all the objects you can, starting with that first letter. So ball, baby, bus, banana, bag. When you can't think of any more objects, you move on to the next letter. So bedtime, E, eagle, egg, ear. You just start imagining these objects. And what that does is it simulates what you do when you fall asleep. So that's one important key to it. But another reason why it works as well is you're not mad because you're up (laughs) during the middle of the night. You know, your brain is like slightly occupied with this technique. And for me, you know, a lot of times, probably 80%, 85% of the time, you know, I'll be sound asleep before I get to the end of the word. Mm. So that's one technique. 
And a breathing technique is important as well. Actually, for me, I start with the breathing, then I move to the cognitive shuffle. So a breathing technique you could utilize would be the four, seven, eight breathing technique. So you breathe in for four seconds, hold your breath for seven, breathe out for eight, and you repeat that four times. And the important part here is that you're breathing out longer than you're breathing in because if we have a longer exhale, it activates our parasympathetic nervous system, that relaxation system. You could also do like with my kids, I'll do kind of like snake breathing where you breathe in and then hiss out like a snake. Oh. And you're breathing out longer than you're breathing in. That's the most important element. So starting with that breathing technique, if you wake up during the middle of the night, moving to the cognitive shuffle. And then if you're still awake during the middle of the night, you want to get up out of bed, do a relaxing activity and only return back to bed when you're sleepy. So that's an important third element is we don't want to be in bed for long periods of time while awake, because then we're going to start to associate our bed with being awake. And we don't want that. So getting up out of bed, if it's been around 20 minutes, you know, you don't have to look at the clock, but uh, if you've done those two techniques and you're still awake, you want to get up out of bed, only return back to bed when you're sleepy. Yeah, there's nothing worse than just laying there and getting more and more frustrated. This is really cool. I've never heard of the cognitive shuffle. It's kind of like this new dance I'm going to have to work on, but I really like that idea. It's almost a distraction in a sense. Mm -hmm. This is really cool. I've never thought about a midnight wake up routine. So this is new for me. I really appreciate this. So we've got light, a midnight wake up routine. And then when we go to bed or the kind of that circa hour or two before bed, what do you suggest? Well, yeah, having a good pre-sleep routine is important. So, you know, starting to relax, put away the electronic devices about an hour before bedtime. And it could start with a bedtime alarm too. So you know, we always have like wake up alarm, et cetera. But if, if you want to get serious about this, go ahead and set a bedtime alarm about an hour before you want to go to sleep. And then that's kind of a signal to let's put away those electronic devices. Let's take a warm bath or shower, which has been shown to help you fall asleep quicker because your body temperature increases and then decreases right before you want to go to sleep. Another technique that maybe people haven't really heard of is writing a to-do list. So there's been some research to show they had one study where they had people write a to-do list right before bed. It was within five minutes of their, when they were trying to go to sleep. And they compared that to a group who actually was journaling right before bed, journaling about their day. And they found that actually the group who wrote the to-do list fell asleep quicker than those who were doing the journaling. And so it's something about offloading these thoughts off of our mind that really help us to, you know, relax and fall asleep quicker. And then you could always do stretching, you could do meditation, you could do those techniques I talked about with the breathing and the cognitive shuffle as well, could be some of those things that you incorporate into your pre-sleep routine. I love this. This is phenomenal. I hope folks took notes because this was really, really good. If people want to follow you or learn more about the work that you're doing, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter and uh, Instagram at sleep for sport. And then I also have a website, sleepintowin.com. I'm still kind of working on that, but people can check me out there. They can connect with me on LinkedIn. Happy to get connected. 
Yeah, I'll put this in the show notes. I follow you on Twitter. I love the content you put out. I personally find that if you follow the right people, you can get it's almost like I don't need to go on Google Scholar or have these. I can like know when the better research articles are coming out. I have like a curated list. I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, I'm going to go read that one. Or I'm going to go read that one. So thank you so much for putting out really good, solid information that's trustworthy. I really appreciate that. And thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Bender. And if you want to support the show, please consider leaving us a review and a comment in the Apple Podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.